The FedLife Podcast is presented by Serving Those Who Serve, a fiduciary fee-based financial planning firm serving federal government employees and retirees all over the country. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be taken as financial advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. The opinions expressed by our hosts are their own and do not reflect the views, policies, or position of either Raymond James or Serving Those Who Serve. Hello and welcome to this episode of the FedLife Podcast. I am your host, Dan Seip. Additionally, I am the branch manager at Serving Those Who Serve and Lee Seip and Associates. I want to begin, as I always do, by saying thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen. And above all, thank you for your service to the government, to the country, to me, to everyone. You do not hear that enough, but you will always hear it here. The other thing you'll always hear here on FedLife is Ed Zerndorfer. The guru is here once again as part of our ongoing mission to reach, teach, and serve you. At the outset, I need to say the opinions of our guest Ed Zerndorfer, however awesome they may be, are not the opinions of Raymond James or serving those who serve. This podcast is presented for information only and is not intended to be taken as advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. Don't have a personal advisor, you say? Hit us up at Serving Those Who Serve. I believe we're going to even going to have a link and click on that. We'll help you any way we can. Now, in this episode, we're talking about something that we hope nobody ever needs, but probably everybody's going to need sooner or later and that is beneficiaries. And specifically, we're going to follow Ed's article that discusses the difference between primary, contingent, and successor beneficiaries. So Ed, let's first start with the definition of a beneficiary and why feds have them and need to keep them up to date. Yes, Dan. Um, Unfortunately, in life, Death is, ine- is inevitable. Here we work a lifetime. We accumulate a lot of assets during our lifetime, whether it's uh, savings, investments, um, real estate, personal items, things like that. So when we pass away, when we pass away, the question is, how can we get these items, these th- these assets we've accumulated over our lifetime, um, to our loved ones, whoever we want to, whoever we want to give it to, in the least amount of time at the least cost. And there are certain assets in which it's so easy to pass on those assets. It's called a beneficiary, in which an individual owns certain assets and they're able to fill out a beneficiary form designated a beneficiary or beneficiaries. It can be more than one. So that upon the death of the individual, those assets will pass to the designated beneficiaries in the, in the least amount of time and at the least cost. So that's basically yeah. what a beneficiary is. And there are certain assets in which you can name beneficiaries. For example, life insurance policies. I'm sure most people listening today have at some time in their life bought a life insurance policy in which they were asked to name a beneficiary. Federal employees who are enrolled in the Federal Employees Group Life Insurance, FAGLI, are, are asked to name a beneficiary for their federal life insurance. Another example for federal employees is a thrift savings plan, thrift savings plan, TSP. Everybody has a TSP account. They've put a lot of money in there, They've, whether it's traditional, into the traditional TSP account, whether it's in the raw TSP account. Over the years, they have contributed. So w- one of the things they're asked to do 
by the TSP is to fill out a beneficiary form, a beneficiary form for their TSP. Federal employees have IRAs. That's another example. Traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs. They're asked by their IRA custodians to name beneficiaries of their IRAs. And it doesn't even have to be life insurance or retirement account. You can name a beneficiary for a bank account. You walk, you know, everybody has a savings account. Everyone has a checking account. Everyone, and many people now are investing in CDs. You can ask the bank for a beneficiary form. It's called a POD form, payable on death. Sure. A brokerage account. I know, Dan, you are a yep. licensed investment broker. I used to be. I used to have a license. I no longer have it. But when you open up a brokerage account, you are, you can set up a benefit. You, you're asked to fill out, hopefully by the investment firm representative, to fill out a beneficiary form known as a transfer on death, transfer on death form, TOD for short. So these are examples where you can name beneficiaries. And in the end, you pass away. You will, it'll, you'll pass on your assets, these assets, life insurance, TSP, IRAs, brokerage accounts, bank accounts, to your loved one, to your designated beneficiaries in the least amount of time and at the least cost. Gotcha. Okay, that's perfect. That's good groundwork. And before we jump into the different types of, of beneficiaries like primary, contingent, successor, I'd like to read an email we received because I got to tell you, it's jarring to me. I wish I was wearing my black t-shirt for this one. I wasn't prepared because it's on one side, I'm very happy that somebody's reaching out to us with this stuff. On the other side, it just blows me away. So I'm just going to read it as is, and then we can both comment on this. Good afternoon. I found the Serving Those Who Serve information extremely helpful. Our local HR department is advising new employees during er orientation that beneficiary forms should not be filled out by employees and are reserved only for those instances where the employee wants benefits awarded to other than a spouse, uh, children, parents, etc. The reasoning is that employees may forget to remove a former spouse from the beneficiary form. While I understand this reasoning, I know from serving those who serve that it is always wise to complete and update beneficiary forms. There we go, Ed. We're, we're yes. getting the message out there. Yes. However, I cannot find any references to the available articles outlining the additional drawbacks to not filling out the forms. Would the decedent's family have to wait longer for the government benefits to be paid out if there was no beneficiary form on file? Would their benefits be subject to probate without a designated beneficiary? Our HR department could not answer these questions. Yeah, but they can tell you not to fill one out. Sorry. I would love to get information on this so I can inform our HR department to better educate new employees. Ed, go. Dan, I'm as shocked as you are when you're hearing this, this information. One of the reasons I write columns for the Fed Zone is, and that's the, for serving this reserve called the Fed Zone, is to inform employees as well as retirees what they need to do in order to make sure that Everything in their lifetime, financially speaking, is as as complete as possible. And the reason I wrote this particular column recently in the Fed Zone about about the difference between a primary beneficiary and a contingent beneficiary and the need to name beneficiaries is that without naming those beneficiaries, your as far as I'm concerned, your financial well being is not is not what it should be. It's one of the, one of the most important things. 
That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is, and this is mean, and it should not be taken the wrong way, but it's a fact of life. HR personnel, we know in federal offices are overwhelmed. They're getting a lot of questions. But this is the type of question that HR personal officers should never answer. This is a question. They should not be giving out that type of advice because they are not attorneys. And to come up with a reason, well, because you might get divorced. Well, during your lifetime, there are changes in which you have to make changes. You're forced to make changes. I may give you an example. I mean, somebody, the doctor says, well, you have to start taking your medicine. You have to start taking your medicine. The doctor's not going to, you know, because you have a certain condition that's going to, that's required to take medicine. And you say, well, I might forget to take it. The doctor says, oh, in that case, you don't need to take it. If you might forget, it's not worth it. It doesn't make sense. It makes sense. And the other thing I want to say, I want to say is that I write these columns. The, I, I write these columns for federal, and I write for another website to help federal employees and retirees. But one thing I emphasis about beneficiary forms and getting back to, like, for example, to TSP. I've been um, asked a question about naming a beneficiary for the TSP because the reason I say that is because employees, retirees, they've told me that it's really not necessary to name a beneficiary of your TSP because the TSP has an order of precedence. An order of precedence will pay the money out. So you really don't have to name a beneficiary. Now, what's the order of precedence? A spouse, children, siblings, next to kin. If they're not, if they're not there, then you have the administrator of the estate. And finally, if there's no administrator of the estate, it'll be paid into the estate. Well, let me say this, that some employees May in fact feel and retirees say, okay, it goes to my spouse. I'm happy. I'm not concerned. I, that that's fine. I'm very happy with that. But let's suppose, let's suppose an employee is married and has a spouse, and the both spouses have the have their own retirement accounts. Here, the federal employee has TSB, has a FERS annuity, CSRS annuity. Spouse works in private industry. They have a 401k, and they both feel it's not necessary to name each other as beneficiaries of their respective. Uh, retirement accounts, uh, TSP and 401k. They have a discussion that the children will get the money. Children, the children should get the money. In the case of the federal employee, the case of the federal employee, they never fill out the form TSP-3. That's the TSP beneficiary form. And then the federal employee dies. Well, I have news for you, Dan, that the TSP is not psychic. Right. They don't know that the deceased employee and their spouse had this discussion naming the three children as right. beneficiaries. It's going to be paid out in the form, in the order of precedence now, order of precedence. Well, the spouse is not around. Are they going to know who the children are? Are the children going to come forth? I got you, brother, because a thousand years ago, starting at the beginning of my career in, in the life insurance world, Okay. Once a beneficiary is designated, it streamlines the process. I got to think that if it's order of precedence, somewhere in there they're going to they're going to ask hopefully for some proof that you're married or that type of thing and my point of view has always been you don't want people going through that when they are bereaved. 
You want it to be as clean as possible for them. What are your thoughts? I agree. I agree. The, the, the estate settlement, and to, to settle an estate can be a long, depressing process for family members. It can in some, case, some cases be aggravating, aggravating, the wait time, all the bureaucracy. A beneficiary form, when filled out, complete and up to date, is one way of making it not the, the dragging it out. Like I said, it saves time and it's going to save sure. costs, save costs. I want to just share one other example. And this, I had a, a widow, a federal employee, had a huge amount of money in TSP. And her spouse had died several years ago. And she had, she had three children that she decided to, um, give, make as beneficiaries, perfectly legitimate. And, and she filled out the form TSP-3. And then, all of a sudden, she has a fallout, a fallout with one of the children, one of the three children. And it got, she said to me, it's so bad that basically they're totally estranged. They have nothing to do with each other. So I said to her, didn't you fill out the form TSB-3 naming the three children? Yeah. So, so what? So what? I mean, I, I said, you better update that, remove that child from the beneficiary form. Do I have to? I have to. Why do I have to? I said to her, like, once again, the TSP is not psychic. They didn't know you, you, you want to disinherit this child. Update the form. Update the form. I, Dan, life me, I don't understand why some individuals have this reluctancy to fill out a beneficiary form. It's, yeah. it's just, it just amazes me sometimes. It's like deciding not to buy a car because you might forget to do oil changes. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> you know? yeah. do, do your oil changes. Do your preventive maintenance. Okay. And, Ed, we're going to respond to this person, you know, in, individually as well. Yes. Thank them. I'm going to thank them for giving us this to, to discuss. Folks, just because something might have an extra step doesn't mean you do something else so you avoid the extra step. Okay, and the thing that I will come back to until somebody can prove it to me otherwise, when it comes to my family, I want it to be as streamlined as possible for them to get what they're supposed to get and have as few steps as possible. And if taking a little extra time while I'm still around to do that makes that happen. So this, you know, I, I think, Ed, we're on the same page. We were we were both flabbergasted with this. As, so, as an accountant, okay. I just want to say one other thing as an accountant. Everyone talks about income taxes. Nobody wants to pay more than income taxes. Well, there's another type of tax out there called an estate tax, an estate tax. Right now, there's a huge federal exemption. It's like almost $13 million, $26 million for married couples. It's going to come down to $3.5 million starting in 2026. What is included in your estate? Your TSP. That includes raw TSP. Raw TSP. And the worst thing that can happen, though, because if the TSP proceeds are, you don't name a beneficiary and there's no, there's no, you know, relatives around or don't come forward. 
it will be paid into your estate. And the estate tax is huge. It starts at 40%. Somebody has, somebody has a $1 million TSP account that pays into their estate. Dan, you're talking about a $400,000 federal estate tax. That'd kill me twice, Ed. <laughs> it's so easy to do. It's what I call estate planning 101. Anytime you can name a beneficiary for anything, do so. And when in doubt, fill it out. And I advise everyone, all our listeners, to, if you have not done this already, please meet with an estate attorney to go over, over everything. And I'm sure that estate attorney, no matter where you live, will tell, no matter what state, District of Columbia, will tell you, do you have any beneficiary? Do you have any assets? Do you can any beneficiary forms? Fine. Name the beneficiaries make, and make sure they're, they're up to date from year to year. Gotcha. Okay. Let's get back on track here, Ed. I just felt we had to, we had to divert a little bit for that one. So I think, and, and through that explanation, I think you've covered primary beneficiary is the first person in line to which you want money to go. Okay. And so I think everybody pretty much understands that one. So let's dig in now to what's a contingent beneficiary and why is it important to have one? So individual, let's take TSP. Everyone, you know, most, most of our listeners have TSP. You fill out the form TSP-3 and you can name as many primary beneficiaries as you want. Each would get a percentage of the TSP participant's assets when, when he or she dies. Now, the question comes up, what happens if the primary beneficiary predeceases the TSP participant? Here, the primary beneficiary predeceased the TSP owner. What happens then? Suppose a TSP, suppose a, a, a TSP participant named one person as beneficiary, just one person as the primary beneficiary. And that primary beneficiary Predeceases the TSP participant. What's going to happen? What's the TSP going to do? They're, they have to pay that pay out the TSP assets in an order of in order of precedence. Spouse, maybe no spouse. Children, maybe no children. Next to kin, siblings, parents, no parents. What about the administrator of the estate? There is no administrator of the estate. Sure, they'll be paid into the estate. Like I said, that's not a good deal. No, so, bad deal. So now, so what is the solution? Well, the TSB does not allow one to name what's called a secondary beneficiary. Secondary. In other words, what a secondary beneficiary is, if there is more than, if there's, let's say there's more than one primary beneficiary and, and then all primary beneficiaries predecease the participant, then it'll go to the secondary, secondary. But what the TSP gotcha. does allow is what's called a contingent beneficiary, which means when the primary beneficiary dies, the contingent is will get, will, is, will become a primary, primary. And you, if you have 10 primary beneficiaries, you can name a contingent for all 10 primary beneficiaries. This, in my opinion, is the best way 
of of naming beneficiaries, name primary, name contingent. And this is why I advise during our, our webinars, we give a estate planning webinar, and in general, you know, just all the webinars we give, if there's any beneficiary form to be filled out, whether it's for TSP, whether it's for your one beneficiary form we did not mention is if a federal employee dies in service and mm-hmm. they had died in the middle of a pay period, they, they have um, unpaid compensation, they have unused annual leave, and the beneficiary form, standard form SF, standard form SF1152, you designate a beneficiary of your unpaid compensation and unused sure. annual leave will be paid to that person. That you name a primary beneficiary, you name a contingent beneficiary. So this way, you're, you cover your, you, I'd say cover your basis. You, you, Absolutely. You, all, all possibilities here. So that is and a I, contingent. And I think this gets missed a lot, Ed. I really do. Because in, in our planning, when we have these conversations, and some of it could be terminology, but when we dig into it, we find otherwise. We bring up, have you named a contingent beneficiary? It's like, a what? And I'm a little bit worried, actually. And I, I, I don't want to bash here, but that earlier email we read, I, I just worry that sometimes people are going through their paperwork and it's like, oh, you don't, you don't even have to worry about that. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it, but you need to take care of it. So once again, folks, when in doubt, fill it out. Okay, so Ed, that's contingent. So I set my primary. My primary is not there now. If I've set a contingent, and I don't have any changes there. I don't have to worry. It's just going to happen. So what's a successor? And who would name a successor? And in what situations would they do it? All right. So let's talk about the TSP because that's for the, you have a classic example of, a, of, a, of being able to name a successor, a, a successor beneficiary. All right. So under the TSP rules, Dan, let's suppose a TSP participant has named his or her spouse as the primary beneficiary, and then they have a contingent beneficiary. The TSP participant dies, and the spouse then inherits the entire TSP account, TSP account. Now, what can the spouse do with their inherited TSP account? They mm-hmm. can retitle it as a successor a beneficiary TSP account in which the surviving spouse can do everything that the the deceased participant, their their deceased spouse could have done, namely interfund transfers. They can make distributions. The only thing they cannot do to it is contribute to it. That's the only thing they cannot do. Now we get to the question, what happens if the now the new TSP account or the, the surviving spouse dies. Well, what the spouse can do is name a beneficiary for this beneficiary account. This is called a successor beneficiary, the successor gotcha. of the original TSP account. But that's the only person who can do that, only a surviving spouse. Any non-spouse beneficiary, designated beneficiary, is not allowed to retitle their inherited TSP account as a successful account. What they can do though, what they can do, a non-spousal uh, beneficiary, such as a child or a sibling, mm-hmm. they can um, request that their inherited TSP account be directly transferred to what's called an inherited, also known as a death IRA. Traditional TSP, 
would be transferred to inherited or death traditional IRA. Inherited Roth TSP, I mean, I'm sorry, a, a Roth TSP account can be tra- transferred to an inherited or death Roth IRA. Sure. And once it hits the IRA, then the, these, the non-spousal beneficiary has options what they can do with their inherited IRA. They have to take the money out. They have to take the money out at a certain time, at a certain point of their lives. I'm not going to get into the details of that. But they can name a successor beneficiary for these for their inherited IRA. That's the point. They can name a successor a successor beneficiary as well as a contingent to the successor. So right gotcha. now we're back where we started. They're not allowed to do that with the TSP. By the way, a non-spousal beneficiary has to withdraw the, their inherited TSP account within five years of the death of the TSP participant. They have to within five. If it's not taken out within five years, the TSP will pay it out. We'll pay it out. Okay. So, okay. So that's more harsh than the ten-year rule. That's right. It's much more. Okay. It's much more harsh. So, again, the, these are the options for TSP participants. Participants. Gotcha. Gotcha. And going back to within TSP. So the spouse inherits it, establishes the beneficiary spousal TSP. Then the name beneficiaries say the kids. There's even some wrinkles there, correctly, correct, Ed? So yeah, you know, if, if, yeah. if that yeah. beneficiary spouse passes away. Yeah, there's going to be some possible problems there in terms of, well, how about if the kids are underage, under 18? Right. That's one thing. You can't name a minor as the beneficiary. You're going to need to name a custodian. Sure. For the, for the child. So I, in, in those cases, Dan, I advise the s- surviving spouse to please talk to an estate attorney to go through what gotcha. you really needed. You can name a trust as a beneficiary for the benefit of the child. But once again, sure. we're not giving out le- we're not legal advice here. Please, the, the, success, the, the, the surviving spouse should, um, should seek the services of a, an estate attorney in his or her state to go over what, right. what needs to be done. Got it. They may find they may or may not want to stay in that beneficiary TSP. You know, so you need to know all the facts, folks, before you make that decision. And, and, and that way, to that, Dan, they can also have it directly transferred to an inherited IRA, which will also give them more, I think, more a little more options, some more options in terms of investments, things like that. I agree. Uh, one of the cases yep. where a the spouse himself or herself, sorry, spouse, has a TSP account. Now you have his or her own account, and now they got this beneficiary TSP account. Should you merge the two? Well, there's some pros and cons. Once again, I would definitely talk to a qualified advisor about that. There are some pros and cons about merging the two accounts in terms of like our required minimum distributions, RMDs, when they got to be taken. There, there are several issues here that need to be going over, going over. Sure. Folks, we are incredibly lucky to have Ed because I don't know anywhere else where you're finding this information produced on a regular basis. At Serving There to Serve, we are happy to be the place where every Fed can come for this type of timely timely and accurate information. And a big part of that is, is this guy on screen with me, Ed Zerndorfer. Ed, thank you. This was another big article. So great job. These things don't sound like they're uh, 
they're a big topic, folks, until you get into them, and they can make a huge difference for your family. So, Ed, I want to once again officially thank you for all you do for us and for the federal community, especially all the things you teach to our team. Thank you. My pleasure, Dan. Thanks. It's always, always a pleasure. And I, again, want to remind our listeners to please check out the Fed Zone. We continue to write columns of interest um, to help you um, get through your federal service and beyond. Things you got to be reminded about in order to uh, make it through your federal service and through retirement. Yep. And you can find that at fed-zone.com. And that's where you'll see Ed or read Ed every single week. Folks, that is a wrap. We will see you and you'll see us at the next podcast. We are serving as a serve. So be sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel as well as Spotify. Remember to share it with your friends and strangers. Check us out on Twitter and LinkedIn. And don't forget our live webinars every single week. Just go to the SWS website. You'll see the button. Click on it. Takes you to the landing page. Yes, the guru will come to you, reach you where you are, teach you where you are, and serve you where you are. Sign up for one, sign up for all, share with your friends. They will thank you. Be sure to read Ed every week in that Fed Zone. Again, that's fed-zone.com. And don't forget to sign up for the weekly serving. That's Ed and all the other Fed stars from SWS coming straight to your inbox. You don't even have to go look. So closing out for Ed, the crew at Serving Those Serve, and me, Dan Sype, I will close as I always do by saying, good luck, Godspeed, and above all, remember, it's your Fed life. Make it a great one because you deserve it. Stay well, everybody. We are out. <laughs>